everybody, what's up and welcome back to another episode of It Takes Grit. I am in the studio today with Stacey Lindsay. Thank you. <gasps> You've become such a dear friend of mine. So fast. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much. I think yes. I knew you in another life or something. I think so. We finished each other's sentences. I love it. There's a great connection. So guys, if you've not already subscribed to the YouTube channel or the It Takes Grit podcast, make sure you do give us a review and of course share with a friend. You're gonna love this episode because Stacey is gonna be diving into a little bit about her eating disorders, her pivotal life changes that you've been making some big decisions over the last year, how you guys can get something from that, um, and also just your, your journey. And we're gonna learn so much, I'm so fired up. So make sure you share this with somebody um, and so that they can have a positive impact in their life today. So first of all, I want to know like where you're from, where you grew up, and just a little bit of your background, so yeah, we can get familiar exactly. with you. This is so fun. Isn't it fun? Me. I thought we're in sunny California. Everything's so beautiful. I know. We were in New York last time. Yes, we were. A little bit cold. <laughs> I am from Massachusetts. I grew up about 20 minutes south of Boston. So I'm a huge Red Sox fan, huge Patriots fan, of course. You can't defect. <laughs> so we got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I went to high school in a small, small town called Norwell, Massachusetts. And went to college in Boston, and I always wanted to tell stories. That was just my dream from day one. Mm-hmm. I used to watch, and I still do, with Diane Sawyer growing up. Like, how does she do that? You know, I thought it was so important. I thought it was what makes the world go round. So storytelling was always sort of fueling everything mm-hmm. that I did. Um, and I grew up, I was a big athlete in, in high school, too, and I was a horseback rider. And went to college and studied journalism in undergrad, went to Emerson College, and did an internship at the local station in Boston, the CBS station. And that's when it really sparked for me. Interestingly enough, too, I kind of took a pivot in college and ended up getting my undergrad degree in film, which was actually serendipitous because that opened up so many unexpected doors for me. Mm -hmm. It was still storytelling. And my first real job within New York City, I was working for Magnolia Pictures in the film industry. And it was was incredible. It was just like... Yeah, so it's like the dream, kind of, isn't it? It, it really worked in the really, film industry. <laughs> That's the dream. Magnolia at the time was this tiny company. Today it's exploded. Um, but talk about serendipity, though. I was doing the press junket and marketing and press junket for a small indie film called The World's Fastest Indian with Anthony Hopkins. And he came into town for a week to do the press junket. And I got started talking, I got to know him pretty well over mm-hmm. that week and as publicist. They left to go back to LA and I got a call the next day from his publicist, this wonderful man named Paul Block, um, who passed away this year, but he was such a great in the industry. And Paul was offering me a job. He knew I wanted to do storytelling and I loved my job at Magnolia, but it was kind of pouring out of me. It's still that journalism and storytelling. So I ended up getting a job, taking a job for his client, James Kahn, uh, out in LA. And I went and worked for Jimmy Kahn for four years helping him. I was his assistant, but kind of his right-hand man. We were producing. We were, I was doing some screenwriting with him, kind of a little bit of everything. And ultimately, though, after that, I was like, the journalism card was still, still calling mm-hmm. and ended up going back to uh, grad school and got my degree in my master's in journalism and been a journalist. journalist wow. Since, so. <laughs> and you're like, answer. Let, let's just reel off. Who have you wrote articles for? Like, like give us your, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. You're so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely, it's been, it's covered the spectrum, my, mm-hmm. my career, which has always been a goal of mine. Um, one journalist who I really admire is Julia Reed. And I remember looking at her, 
career and her trajectory. And she wrote pieces for Vogue and then she wrote pieces for Newsweek and she was a contributor to CNN. I thought, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I started really working for um, Natural Solutions, which has since um, folded, but it was this great natural health publication. And that's where really my love for health, fitness, wellness, holistic living mm -hmm. came to play. And I was in Boulder at the time too, finishing up my master's. And so I wrote for a lot of natural health publications, then came back to LA and I became an editor for a public publication called Vermodelista, which is about art and design. It was really freelancing for various local publications mm -hmm. and some national publications too, but I pivoted again and I did the broadcast route. So I actually was an anchor and investigative reporter for a couple of years, um, working for CBS Wow. and, and actually the local Fox affiliate, which was interesting, <laughs> really interesting. Um, and then I think some of the best journalism out there is you can find is in the regional publications. So I was doing a lot of work for the Joplin Business Journal. And now I'm back in LA and I'm full time and I do, I'm the articles editor at Goop. So do a lot of um, career health and health and wellness and financial health. And mm -hmm. It covers the spectrum. So in so. your, in your vision, this is always something that you wanted to do. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, especially with the audience and the listeners, it's like, you have an idea about what you want to do, but maybe they're not taking that first step into making it happen. Did you always feel in your in your in your brain in the vision like this is what I was destined to be, and I just made the steps to make it happen? So. Yeah, yes, super hard. Obviously, it's scary as heck. It still mm -hmm. is today. Yes, you know, every single day. But yes, yes, I always felt like that, and I felt like it was. It's bigger than me. It's actually not about me at all. That's what I. And I continue to try and tell myself that. And mm -hmm. I think that goes for every single person out there. I want, of course, I had an inclination. I still have an inclination for storytelling, but that's something bigger than me. I just have to bring that to fruition for right. the greater, the greater good. I think um, a pivotal moment for me was when I lost my father and it was expected and unexpected at the same time. And I was working for James Conn still at the time. And I remember going back to sit with my father in his last week of his life. And that's when I realized I, and he was so young, he was 56 when he passed. And I thought, I gotta do this. I gotta be telling more, you know, I gotta be doing the journalism thing. Mm -hmm. um, this actually is bigger than me. And right. it's my responsibility for my father, uh, for my family, for my friends. So, so it's kind of like a wake up call to so. really do what you wanna do. And I feel like sometimes in life, we, we wait for something so, big or catastrophic to happen for yes. us to 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 make that pivot and I remember we were having a conversation um over dinner in LA mm -hmm. um with 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 the group that we were with and your big thing was like the pivot yeah it's like how do you change and I want you there's a lot of girls that watch this and you might be in a job right now that that you don't enjoy or that you're like I want to do something else but I don't know how how do you make that pivot because it's scary it's scary and it and it's big. And don't just wait for something big to happen to you for you to react right. to that. So right. so how would you guide someone in making that pivot? Firstly, we've heard it before. We can't hear it enough. Go with your gut. Your gut knows. You know, we just, we just know. And it's usually, and I call it the, I feel like there's two types of fear. I think that there is the tr the fear where maybe you see somebody walking down the street and you think, oh gosh, I just that doesn't feel right. That's the kind of fear that, thankfully, we have as humans mm -hmm. that we listen to and we kind of go step across the street where there's more people. 
Then there's the kind of roller coaster fear I talk about. And that's different. That's fun. That is when you're just about to get on the roller coaster, you know it's going to be a blast. You know it's going to be worth it. And then you're second in line. You're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? You know, oh, get on so the roller true. coaster. I you love know, that. And then you get back on again. And again, same thing like if you're going to jump into the lake, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. it's that fun folly fear. So listen to that, lean into that. Second thing, huge, and I'm doing it right now with you, with, you, with our conversations, I've done it in the past, is talk about it. When you want, when you have an idea and it can be, it can seem so extraordinary. It can seem ridiculous. It can seem like you're not worthy of it, which you are worthy of everything, but it can seem like that. Let's just say I'm going to set an example. Like you're in banking and you think, you know, I really want to start a pie company. Who am I though? I have my degree in banking. I don't really know that much about baking. Everybody sees me as a banker. You know, Mm -hmm. what am I, what am I doing? But start talking about it. Talk about it with your close confidant. Write it in your journal. When you get it out of your mind and it's out there in the world, particularly though when you do confide in somebody, then it's real. Then Mm -hmm. it's tangible. That's just a huge step. And then that goes back to the responsibility of you talked about it with a confidant. You talked about it um, even with your journal or whatnot. It's your responsibility to take the next step and to see it forward because you see it that it's real. It is. That's so true because as soon as you tell one person, the first person to tell is like, that's daunting. And then you tell the second person. And then the third and the fourth and the fifth seem really easy. And before you know it, you're just talking about it. You talked about your YouTube channel. I did. And, and then I was, <laughs> and then every like so many weeks, I'm like, hey, is it out yet? Because now you, you're, you're going to, it's happening. I'm doing it. Now, now it's happening and it's, and it's going to be taking place. So I, that's such a great point to be like, okay, wherever you are at, just start telling people. You don't necessarily have to start it. Right. It's almost just telling it is going to help you start. Yes. Writing it down, putting them on your walls. Yeah. And there's validity to everything in your mind too. So, um, it could be a dream board. It can be really in, in any, any form really. But again, just seeing that it's tangible and that it's real, that's, mm-hmm. that means your ideas, your thoughts, your dreams are valid. And I don't care how out there they are. Yeah. It does, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, so cool. it's possible because most likely it's happened before. Yes. Someone has been a banker and turned into a baker. Yes. Like it's, it's <laughs> happened before. So there's no reason why other people can't do it as well. It's just taking that first step and making that pivot. How do you think you can address sometimes that you need to make a change or you need to make that pivot? Cause I feel like sometimes, you know, you just go through the day-to-day action, maybe in the nine to five and you're, or you're doing the same job and you, you don't really realize you need a wake up. Yeah. I've always said, um, or I should say, I've been saying for, for many years actually is to pay attention to your daydreams. We always talk about, Oh, follow your dreams. I think there's huge validity on that. Of course. But what does that exactly mean? I started paying attention and tapping into what do I daydream about? What do I daydream about when I'm at in the supermarket line or when I wake up in the morning and it can be very small moments. And I always found I was daydreaming about being out somewhere in the field and talking to people. That was Mm. always what I was daydreaming about. And I would actually see some of the outfits that I was wearing too. I would have moments and I would daydream about moments coming home to a really loving partner and telling my partner about my day. And my day was filled with interviews and talking to people. And I just started seeing, wow, there's a theme there, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that daydream and I'm doing it now too with the stories that I want to be telling with my, my YouTube channel I'm working on is oh, I've been daydreaming about interviewing women more and talking to them more what you know I have to pay attention to that so paying attention to those daydreams I think that is a sign that hmm, your energy is going toward 
Because you're almost manifesting Yes, it. yeah. I love daydreaming. I, like, love putting music on in the car and, like, just visualizing something mm-hmm. that I I want to do. It's like, and, and you you start smiling. You do like you, smiling. You naturally, your shoulders go down <laughs> and you're like, and you're almost there. You're like, oh, I'm just walking on this stage yeah. and I'm just like smiling. So mm-hmm. if you are having those kind of thoughts, put, like that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a great sign. It's that daydream. Yeah. And you can then just small little nuanced things, like notice kind of where you're spending most of your time. And for many of us, most of our time during the day is our place of work, mm-hmm. whatever that may look like. How do you feel during the day? How does your, it seems silly, but how does your skin feel? How does your body feel? Do you feel like you're, those things, because that's a reflection of your health, your mental state, I think, your physical state. I've been in situations in the past where I felt like my skin felt so dehydrated and stale. My body didn't feel good. And I thought, I'm not happy. I got to make a change. I don't want to be doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was at a job too. I mean, one particular instance, it was a job that served me well for many years, but then I just noticed wasn't feeling that good anymore on the job. I wasn't feeling as vibrant. Again, it was just showing up physically in me. And I thought, I got to change this. Right. It's time for a change. So, so that, that, that's a great point because if you are feeling like maybe you go and do a workout and your body's yeah. tired and like, I can't even get through this. It's like, and if that keeps happening, if that's repetitive and you're feeling sluggish, you're going to, your work does have an input on how your body functions. Like, so if you're not happy in your job, you tend to not eat healthy food. Yeah. You tend not to work out and you tend not to surround yourself with people that uplift you. Yeah. So the, the relationship with your work has a direct relationship with the, with the food yeah. and the exercise. What, what is the favorite story? Do you have a favorite story that you've shared of other people? I know that you've, you've shared so many people's <laughs> stories, but is there one that really stands out to you where you're like, wow, like this was super inspirational? Right. Oh gosh. Yeah. So many. You know, there's so, there's so many. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, I'll generalize at first. It's particularly, I always obviously gravitate towards stories about female identifying people, of course, because mm-hmm. um, that's, I'm, I'm a woman. So I'm like, oh yes, but it's the story of somebody having that out their dream and ended up going after it and following it. I'm doing a story soon, which you'll be seeing soon um, on this woman who started actually a pie company and it was just a kind of change of events. And she just wanted to start baking cup baking pies and, and doing it. And now she's got this flourishing business. And, what was she and I before? think um, she was in the catering business before. Right. She had done actually several things mm-hmm. before. Um, I was like, yes, you went out and you did that. And I just, I admire that so much. Of course, Gwyneth Paltrow was a huge inspiration of mine. Um, mm-hmm. She runs you know, an incredible company that I'm so grateful to work to work at and she was an actress everybody knew her as an entertainer and an actress and she made a huge pivot and started went into the lifestyle sphere and started blogging and putting her thoughts out there and she was raw and vulnerable and she followed through and I think holy cow I mean that's a 180 from what she was doing amazing I'm being so vulnerable (laughs) in a place where you are so public absolutely yes absolutely what was her first blog post I remember it's so funny because I I remember getting the first poop newsletter and I was so excited it was in 2008 and it was her first newsletter was a, it was a recipe I believe for turkey ragu I think it was a <laughs> she was a big foodie um but she sent a general newsletter out yeah I'm sure many people have mm-hmm. to remember it too and she was just saying she was talking about she's got a good life because she's not passive about it and that really resonated with me too and that was around the time I had just lost my father mm-hmm. and being passive and complacent is the devil, actually. Right. And it really yes. gets all of us, and it's so easy to fall into that. So that resonated. But she said the first thing she said that was a newsletter. So again, those those stories of 
change and follow through and that's what just gets me going because it inspires me too mm -hmm. I, I you, you want to you do and I'm like so incredibly inspired and it's selfish I just want to be around you no, be around. <laughs> you want it and, that, and that's the great thing is like if you I talk about this about with my clients and my team members it's the energy that you give out is what you're going to give yeah. back so if you want to level up your life the first thing that you want to do is give is, is to give something because you're going to feel good. Mm -hmm. So if you're not feeling great right now, go and do something good for somebody sure. else. You start to feel good and you're going to start to want to do what other people yeah. are around you. Um, it's so true. The five people that you hang around with is like oh, the gosh, average. Everything. It really it is. is. Like whether you're working out, whether you're eating healthy, yeah. whether you're, what your, your environment's like, your Saturday night is like. Yeah. I mean, like it really does have a huge it impact. It absolutely does. And it's so interesting. I'm wondering if you've seen this, but I've seen sort of seasons in my life too of how I've really worked on myself to get mentally healthy and physically healthy and how I used to make, during the times when it was going through depression or, you know, struggle with an eating disorder, all of those things. I was making room for unhealthy things. So I was making room for eating unhealthy. I was making room for not really working out. And I was making room for people who weren't healthy for me. And I probably wasn't healthy for them too. Mm -hmm. As I started working on my health overall and my passions and what I really wanted to do, there wasn't room for those people anymore. There was room for only the, the people that make me feel really good. Wow. And that's kind of yeah. amazing too, just to see that. That, that transition, change. that's huge. so cognizant of that too and so grateful of that. And you can... Of course, love and care for people, but it maybe doesn't mean that they're a great fit in your life too. So that's, I think that's totally true. And I share that same, you know, eating disorder, going through that in my teens. And I know there's a lot of our audience that, you know, food is a daily struggle or it's something they think about all the time. What point of your life did you suffer with an eating disorder? Mm -hmm. What was that like? Can you share that yeah, story? No, thank you for asking about it. It's, I think I, um, I think it was always there, quite honestly, because it was something that I was always, as you were saying, food is obviously something that we have to have in our lives, so we can't escape it. So if there is an issue with it, it's there, you know, mm -hmm. it, it shows up all the time. So it's always uh, been something that I have really had to face every day or sort of lived with. Like, oh, there you are again. Sometimes. Yeah, it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. Right, right? Yeah, thanks yeah. for showing up. <laughs> yeah. uh, it manifested, though, um, pretty severely when I was in living in the Midwest, and it was on TV. That was an anchor. And How old were you then? I was early 30s. So 31. Okay. Yeah. So it was a few years ago. And um, it really started to show up that way too. I was dealing with bulimia. And it was, of course, I think I was not, I was going through a transition. I was dealing with obviously a lot to still digesting the loss of my father. Um, I was in an area of the country and I'm so glad that I did it. But I didn't know anybody in that area. I moved from LA where I had a, mm -hmm. friends and some family and moved to the Midwest. And I didn't know anybody and I was in a completely new realm of journalism and line of work. And of course it was forward facing too. I was anchoring the news at night and I was on TV every day. So it's Wow, there's some pressure here. So it was a pressure it, to look it, yeah. thinner? Yeah. Did yeah, you so. did, was that a pressure that you put on yourself? Oh, totally. It wasn't from the outside. I mean, you know, if you piece if you put the pieces together, I'm sure it came from so many different places, as mm -hmm. so many things do. I think that there's you could take a puzzle piece from society, from maybe my personal life, from the studio perhaps, like so many different places, but ultimately the biggest piece was myself. Right. And was, how much weight did you lose? Where you where were you at? What was yeah. your kind of it fluctuated. It actually, because I had gained, um, I had gained significant weight. And, and you know, I, I, it's hard to say 
to, to quantify too, mm-hmm. because um, you and I are about the same height. Yeah, you know, body types are, are so different. So different. Right, too. Yeah. When I was in grad school, I had gained um, I had gained some weight that just felt I felt like I was storing a lot of emotion in that weight too. That just didn't feel healthy. Um, so I had lost that weight by the time I moved to work in the news, and then probably lost maybe it wasn't drastic, but probably maybe 12, 15 more pounds. Mm-hmm. But for my frame, that, it was yeah. pretty drastic. Yes, and I just didn't didn't feel that good. And were you too. just not eating or were you excessively exercising? I was excessively, I've always dealt with excessive, excessive, excessively exercising at that time. Um, and then I would just get really nervous and, and make myself throw up sometimes before, before I would go on air sometimes. Right. Or, oh, wow. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, it's the behind the scenes stuff that you don't often yeah. see like all oh, this person's like smiling, looking great, like on camera, but like five minutes before this has just happened. Um, so talk to me about the excessive exercise because mm-hmm. I actually have I know I know quite a few girls that are excessive exercise and I used to do I used to do like a ton of cardio yeah. which actually doesn't get you results at all and I, I used to not eat yeah. and then just <laughs> run on the treadmill for like thirty minutes yeah. and just not eat anything. You only knew too. If you, and it's like no, just do that. twenty minutes of strength <laughs> training and you're fine. So have you always been excessive exercise or was that something that kind of started to happen more in that time period. That time period, a little bit too when I was younger too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful to say I feel like I, I do not do I do not do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, during during that time, it was a mix between sometimes making myself sick or excessive. You know, and why, why excessive it was, exercise? It felt like an escape because I didn't want to really, and that's what the thing, I think it's so important for us to be talking about that so much is it's not always, it's not, it, it varies for all of us, but it's not always about the weight and the appearance too. It's about escaping something. hundred percent. Yes. So it was just, if I was exercising, I had to deal with the fact that I'm exercising so hard and I'm so tired and I'm so sweaty. Like that's what's in front of me. That's what I have to deal with rather than, oh, I'm actually really lonely or I'm actually really stressed out or not really happy right now. I need to fix some things. Not mm-hmm. really feeling good. That was what I really needed to focus on. But no, no, I was too busy exercising. Yes. I was too busy, you know, getting sick or whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. It gave me something that was mine. And it's a control thing. Yeah. Too. 100% huge control thing. Yeah. Um, which I think so many of us, it just is, it's a human condition, I think, to want to feel autonomy. It's so interesting with the excessive exercise because I never even realized that I used to do it yeah. until I started talking to other people, which is so important. It's why you talk about it. Cause I didn't think that what I was doing was excessive, yeah. but now I look back, I'm like, Whoa, you were like gnarly on yeah. the treadmill going for like an hour at a time, yeah. like morning and night. And now I'm hearing other people's stories of excessive exercise. And I've also seen it, mm-hmm. you know, when people come to fit camps and they're doing it, it's one, it's not even going to get you the result. Mm-hmm. It's not even about the body. It's not even about like, I don't even feel like the, the transformation. It's such a, a mental thing and it's an escape. Yeah. It's like the harder you run, you're like running away. Right. You're running away. You're running okay. away from it. So what was like, do you remember a pivotal moment or something where you were like, okay, this is not healthy. I don't feel good. And how did you change that? Yeah. Still working on it. Still, still facing it. Um, the exercise, so obviously it was, it was several, several things but I think the biggest thing was I left the Midwest and I moved back to LA and that was really a period of re- regrowth mm-hmm. of growth I should say not regrowth growth and health and um at an incredible time in the Midwest doing the news but there was also there was a huge time of learning and exploration of myself and I realized there was 
many things that I had had to work on. Went back intensely into therapy in in LA, which mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate for. Of course, just talking through it, talking through it. So those were two huge things: a big life change, therapy, um, really making space for loving people in my life. Um, I've always had loving people in my life, but really making them priority, myself priority, mm-hmm. and my and the people in my life priority. Um, I'm so grateful. I have my partner, my boyfriend, who's He's number one. Um, I'm number one, and then mm-hmm. he's number one and a half. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that one and a half. Yeah, and it that's helped too. That's helped with being overstressed with work. That's helped with you know when I do feel overstressed, it kind of still creeps up sometimes. Like oh, I could actually just go and get sick, and it'll just take my mind off of things. But no, I think right. I need to be healthy for myself. I need to be healthy for my partner. I need to be healthy for my family and friends. So just working on that mindset that really helped me get get out of it, I mm-hmm. think. Um, exercise, what really, really, really helps me now is I do what's fun for me. I do what brings me joy, like your videos. I feel good in the environment when I'm watching you and in your your workout environment, as opposed to I used to do a lot of things that were trendy, a lot of things that I thought I had to do that would give me the perfect butt. And I didn't, it was torture. Mm-hmm. And I would do it for so much longer than you really had to do. So I do what makes me feel good with fun. And also I think about circulation, which is huge. So I don't, I used to work out because I wanted to specifically work on my butt that day or run a million miles or make sure that I lost this many calories. And now I'm like, I just need to keep circulation, keep things healthy. It's not just about my weight. It's so that I can be healthy and, and live yeah. forever. Yeah, and healthy. So, yes. And it can be, some days it could be doing something for nine minutes and that's, that's okay mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I feel better after those nine minutes than if, Oh, I just gotta go work out for two and a half hours. No, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. So, I don't have the, t- the time anymore. The time. There's uh, there's more time. things that I'd like to be doing, like the chat, like chatting to you. I'll do like twenty minutes of workout. Have a chat with your girlfriend. Like that's yeah. really it's it's the memories. And yeah. I, I realized that I've lost so much time yeah. thinking about what I was gonna eat or what I was not gonna yes. eat. And I'm like, wow, that's scary. Like I could have. I could have done so many more fun things with my life had I not been in that kind of, you know, mindset. But it is, it's a daily, and we're not saying this is easy to get over or to change. It is still a daily, you know, thing in in your brain once you've done excessive exercise or you've, um, you know, you've eaten healthy. For me, recently, you know, I I, I got down to like 86 pounds when I was 17 years old. So like super tiny. And I, I look back now and go, how is that even possible? Like, where was I? Because I'm like, I'm like 108 pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, recently I've, you know, you get into waves. I don't know about you, but like sometimes I'm like super in on my workout routine. Oh, totally. And then there's yeah. like weeks where I'm like, I, I'm like, I get, <laughs> so funny. I'll share with you. This is me being vulnerable. I have got three strikes in a row at Equinox Gym because I haven't shown <laughs> up in the last week for my workouts. Like on the because yeah. you're supposed to like plug it in. It goes. I'm sorry, you're now banned for the next week. Yeah. I'm like the intention was there. It hits you hard, and too. I was like, like oh, God damn it! But I I go through phases where, and it's funny. I managed to get into a yoga class two days ago. I was telling the girls, I fell asleep at the end because I'm like my body just needed yeah. a stretch out. I'm tired. I had a trainer on Tuesday morning. And I have a trainer once a week. And just, she just works on my glutes. And I did 20 minutes of the workout. Yeah. And I thought I was going to throw up. And I was like, I think I'm done. She goes, you sure we can just do some kettlebells, maybe whatever? I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm yeah. actually like, and I paid for the session, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, just stretch me out. And yeah. so you you might do a workout and you just feel like this is a working today. 
And so we go into ways where we're like, I'm so on my fitness game and we work out every day. And then we're like, we're on a roll. And then something happens like you travel somewhere or you go to a birthday party and all of a sudden you just completely fall off the wagon. Or you could just wake up, wake up one day, just feel off. Yeah. And you just have an off week or an off day or an off off month, whatever it may be. And I think not fighting that too, because then that's where shame comes in. And shame is just the gnarliest thing in the entire world. Yeah. It's fine if you get three strikes equinox and then you it's can't totally like use the online booking form anymore. Like it's again, fine. Just thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And talking about that too is the other thing. Yes. Just talking about it. And then you know, you don't I don't want you to feel bad about missing equinox yeah. classes at all. Uh-huh. How you decide that when you do work out next, you're going to feel good. That's yeah, it's important. like, I'm going to film today, and it's going to be great, and I didn't film this week, no problem. But I used to really beat myself up about it, and I used to be so obsessed with body image. And it's, yeah. how have you seen the shift to um, going from, well, when I was a teen, it was like the Olsen twins and size zero, right. and there was like models, and now it's like fit and like having hips and curves, right. like, how have you seen the transition in like body image through your journalism? Oh gosh, what a great question. Cause that was actually my thesis in grad school was how the media portrays particularly women in magazines. And it's, of course, it's so fascinating to see mm-hmm. look at all the covers over the years. And there's been like a fluctuation too. I mean, in the eighties, there was like the more robust Cindy Crawford, the yep. Cur- Kirby and then the Kate, Kate Moss style model came into play in the early 90s, I think. Yeah. You definitely have seen such a shift. Um, I just feel like, thankfully, we're in the right, healthy direction. Still got a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. but I just think the most sexy, attractive, beautiful thing is to see somebody healthy and taking care of themselves in their skin. And I think that's being more portrayed in the media. I want to portray anybody in my stories, if I can, um, but that's owning it and, and living their best life and taking care of themselves that's so inspiring to me so I feel like there's a, a healthy wave toward it but it's it's up to all of us to be I think reading those stories and wanting more of those stories out there so it perpetuates yeah that storytelling I love that too like now it's like fit is the new healthy and it's just like own your body like what and, and that's so great because we are all built so differently mm-hmm. like we're not going to get the same results even right. if we did the same nutrition plan we did the same workouts like you bones are just different right. like and and that's what's such a huge thing and one of the big things with all like body image and empowering people is like the support from others online. And I feel like as a woman, we have to teach other people to lift people up online rather than being negative and being trolls. Like, I don't know how you've seen that working with what's your- Oh my gosh, that's the huge, I'm so, thank you so much for bringing that up too, because that's been the biggest thing too. When you asked several minutes ago about my journey working through eating disorders and and having better mental health and whatnot, that is huge too. It's really realizing that there is, I am not going to allow people that make me feel bad in my life. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. And then realizing that there is room for everybody to thrive, to shine, to be themselves. And that is our responsibility. Is So with that said, we need to be nice to each other. Because when you rise, I rise. When you rise, you mm-hmm. we all, you know, what is it? The more water, the boats rise. I'm yes, absolutely. But, yeah. Um, that has been so important to me. And I have to say the past year or two, it has helped me in so many ways because I've spent so much, majority of my life, feeling not good enough, feeling bad, feeling around, you know, if I was in a room of cool girls or whatnot, like, oh gosh, you know, I'm just going to be, I'm going to kind of demote myself in a sense. No, I'm not going to do that anymore because it's actually, 
everybody, I really feel that everybody is good, but when you do come across somebody who is not lifting you up and not making you feel good and kind of trying to put you down, they are going through something. It has nothing to do with you. Oh, yeah, nothing. And yep. it took me three decades to learn <laughs> yeah. that. But I am so glad. And once I started learning that too, it has helped. It has helped with, again, I can't say it enough, my health, my career, my eating disorder, all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And again, making room. So now I have room. I meet you. I, you know, people and people like you. Look at the community that you and I have in common too. Like incredible I know. women that really don't have any motive, but to be there for you, to see you and to lift you up. It's mm-hmm. cool. And it exists. Yeah. If you told me that five years ago, I'd be like, that's not a thing. That doesn't yeah. exist. No, it those really people does. aren't there. Yeah. I would think that too. And it's when you hear something online or someone says something to you, it's like, it's so hard not to do this, but it's true. Don't take it personally. Because it, it's got nothing to do with, with you. It's 100% with what they're going Absolutely. through. So how I reply, I mean, we don't get much negativity at all because our community is amazing. But what I've seen, it's like, I'm sending you love. That's what I reply. It's like, sending you love today. I hope you're having a great day. Because so if you start to like retaliate and yeah. react, you're just going to fire yourself up and you're going to lose your own yeah. energy, which is, that's like so scary. Like hold on to your energy and really just level yourself up so that you could be an example for other people. I agree. That's so big of you. And it's such a contribution of you to do that too, to be generous with those people too. Because I think also somebody maybe reaching out and saying something mean or, or whatnot is they just want to maybe feel seen too. Mm-hmm. And if you do send them back light and love, I had some pretty amazing, uh, amazing in a really bad way, uh, comments when I was on air, when I was an anchor. And Were you only really? Moment, oh, just mean it. It was sometimes just kind of from left field. Um, one particular person wrote in because I misplaced the name of her city. And I understand that having pride. Again, I'm from Boston, so I have major yes. pride. Yes. But she said, yes, don't call me a dummy several times. Um, and I just wrote back, you know, thank you so much for watching. And I, yeah, I appreciate the, the future and I wish you well. And she yeah. actually wrote me back a really nice note after that. So, yeah. Who knows? Kill people, kill people with kindness. <laughs> Absolutely kill yeah. people with kindness. And, and be 100% authentic you and that and own yourself because I feel like we've been hiding back, maybe not saying like what we think, maybe not being our full selves. I went to an event early this year and I was like, I'm just like not cool enough to be here. I'm like, they're all the cool gang out there. I'm like, I was like, no, I'm going to stay. I'm going to participate. I'm going to join in. I'm going to say my name. Hello. And I'm like, these people are now my friends. And it's like such a difference when it's almost like you've got your own ego inside of you that makes you think, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough or they're not going to like me. Like just let it go and be like 100% authentically you. Yeah, you do that. I love it. Everybody do that. That's the biggest thing. And uh, I'm excited because what is coming up for you in the next coming month? What's all the plan for you? More storytelling. And I want to be... So what I loved when I worked in the news is when I was out in the field reporting and just had the opportunity to have these people tell me their stories. It is such an honor. It's such an honor. So pulling from that, that chunk of the news that I loved and concentrating on female identifying people doing their thing in the working world, finding their place. So again, who women who have made pivots in their careers and are just owning it. I want to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So I am starting to piece together their very succinct three minute videos about female founders, female careerists. It's going to be called take three. Okay. And, and just, yeah, stories. I'm starting that. It's a passion project. I love that. Video I, storytelling. I love that too. Cause I feel like now you're like, you're, you're I, I know what you're doing, but like, as you're like visualizing it, this is such a good go-to guide 
for like a pick-me-up when you're like, I need to hear somebody else's inspirational story. And I feel like that could be a, a you know, a, a great, the blog, the book, like everything, like having all these people's stories so that you can relate to them. Like you might read one person's story and be like, that's awesome, but I don't get it. And then you can listen to somebody else and be like, oh my goodness, that is so me. Like if she can do it, I can do it too. So where can they find oh, all of this stuff? So Where's much. it going to be? I'm, I'm so fired so, up. Oh this. gosh, I'm so excited. So I'm going to be releasing it at the end of June. Okay. And so it'll be, I'll be releasing it on my Instagram. Stacey, okay. At Stacey Lindsay. Um, and then from there, I'll direct you to the Take Free site. So okay. It'll be on my site, stacyandlindsay.com. So it'll be on the website. There's going to be a YouTube and it's going to yes. be on the Instagram so as well. On my Instagram is the best way. To I love it. this. So if you need to pick me up one day, maybe you're having a funny five minutes, you're in a funk. The best thing to do is go to your Instagram, click on your website, read a story and be inspired. Thank you. I think that is such a great so. nugget. I think we all need to see these stories. They're such an amazing, amazing women that you read about in the mag, you know, these magazines that you see um, at the grocery store or whatnot. But there's so many women that stories are being told oh, that we need to. 100% um, and things that you, to. and things that people will be able to relate to. And like, know that your story, that what you're going through isn't unusual. Because as soon as you start to talk about it, you're like, me too. Really? You have an eating disorder? Oh my goodness, like me too. So when you start to share your story, you won't feel, one, sometimes like a victim. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this happened to me. They don't understand because I went through X, Y, and Z. Now, people don't know half the stuff that I've been through yet. I'm sharing it as I'm becoming more comfortable. Uh, uh, comfortable. But it's like, hey, like your story, own your story and share it because I guarantee you someone has been through something very similar. Yeah. And I think that it's our, we have to be contributors to the world. And I think that's our contribution to tell yeah. our stories. I love it. Well, yeah. if any of you guys are watching and you want to share your stories with us in the comments below on YouTube, or you want to send us in a message on, on Instagram, I'm going to put all the details in the description. I'd love to hear some of the stories from you guys of maybe where you've made a big pivot in your life, something that you've come, o uh, come over. And uh, we get to share that with you guys as well. So Stacey, thank you so oh much for gosh, being on this episode so today and being so, so vulnerable and open and sharing this with us. Guys, thank you for watching. Make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Get those five-star reviews on the It Takes Weird podcast, and we'll see you on our next episode. Bye, guys.